Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 14 this morning, the book of Mark and chapter number 14. If you have your Bible with you, turn with us there, Mark chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, there should be one, perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you. Maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. We would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us. Mark chapter 14 this morning, and we're going to find our place in verse number 22. So Mark, big number 14, small number 22, Mark 14, 22 this morning for our time together around the Word of God. If you found your place and if you're willing and able, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God? Mark chapter 14, verse 22, down to verse number 26. As we continue just to walk through Mark's gospel together, we come this morning to this final Passover, but the very first Lord's Supper. That's why we have the elements out this morning, because at the conclusion of the service, we will observe the Lord's table together. And you're seeing what we are observing right here. Mark 14, look at verse 22. And as they did eat, so look here, I've got to help you understand who that is. For just a second, that's the disciples. The disciples had gone all where Jesus had told them to go. They'd gathered all that Jesus told them to gather. They're meeting together in the upper room. Now the Bible says that they did eat, and Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said... Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood in, of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine, until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would teach us, Father, about this Last Supper, this first meal. Remind us of the spiritual truths that we are illustrating this morning and be glorified in it. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You need to understand that the Last Supper was originally the Passover feast. It's the Passover meal. It was a meal commanded by God to Israel that they were to observe once a year. They were to remember the Passover. That story is found in Exodus chapter number 12, Exodus chapter number 13. If you want to see where it's instituted as an annual meal, you'll find that in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Those are all the places we're going to kind of uh, jump in on throughout the morning, but those are the three main ones. And this meal was an observance. It was, it was really an, a reenactment of what God had done for them. 
when God had set them free from slavery in Egypt. So the meal serves then to remind them by way of action. This is what Jesus is partaking in. This is what the disciples are partaking in. And in fact, this is what all of those who had gathered in Jerusalem during this week, this is what all of them are, are partaking in. Every Jewish family is observing the same meal at the same time. They're, they're following a particular order. It's really, in the text, is two really very simple ideas. First, which is in your outline, you'll see the final Passover. This is really happening here in our text, verse number 22, verse number 23, verse number, 20, uh, verse number 22 and 23. Jesus has instituted this already. Look up at verse number 12. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover... His disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare, that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he, Jesus, sendeth forth two of his disciples, and he saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the goodman of the house, the master saith, where is the guest chamber? And where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room finished and prepared. There make ready for us. This is the record of that last Passover, that, that one meal. Now, now notice the disciples are asking Jesus very specific questions. They're saying... Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And here's why. Because the Passover, although it was observed only once a year, had very specific rules that must be followed. There was an order to the events that they were to partake in. That is it's found for us in understanding the minutia where he says here, down in verse number 15, he'll show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. Everything that's necessary for the Passover will be there. That's what he's saying. All that's necessary for us to eat, you'll find in this location. We pointed this out last week, and I'll just use just a, a quick reminder to you. Notice the detail of which the Lord knows exactly what is happening. How many times in our lives do we find ourselves not knowing what is coming next? And yet here, the Lord knows exactly what is coming next. He knows when it is coming next. He knows how it will go. The disciples here simply need to follow his word. They simply need to obey what he has told them to do. And by the way, the same is true for you and for me. We don't always know what happens next, but this is what we do know. God has given us his word, and all we must do is obey his word. Well, it may not be culturally acceptable, it may not be popular, your neighbors may not think that that's the way you ought to do it. You might put a Facebook post up, and someone might give you the thumbs down, but we simply need to obey the word of God. I don't, know what, I don't know what happens in your marriage next, but this is what I know, obey God's word. 
I don't know what happens for you at your office next, but this is what I know. Obey God's word. Obey the scriptures. And this is what they're doing here. They're simply obeying the word. So the disciples are asking Jesus, where is it that we will observe the word that has been given to us in Deuteronomy 16, Exodus 12, Exodus 13? And what is meant to be understood? A couple things about the Passover. First, here's what you should understand about the Passover. There's a letter A here under this first point. At the Passover, they were reunited in their community. The Passover meal was a meal that was designed to be eaten in individual homes. In fact, according to Exodus chapter 12 and according to Exodus chapter 13, the meat was not allowed to be taken outside of the home. So you had to eat whatever you were eating at the Passover. You had to eat it there before you left. And what this had done is it effectively had tied all of the observances of the Passover for each individual Israelite to their respective father's house. It, it caused there to be this nurturing, this instructing, this remembering, this teaching. The importance of fathers teaching their children to remember how God had delivered them. Which, by the way, is the way that it should be. If you had a mom or a dad who at a very early age taught you about the things of God, well then you are blessed indeed. If you have a mom or dad who at a very young age are trying to teach you the word of God, look here, boys and girls, you have a great mom and dad. By the way, we need moms and dads who will help to teach their children the priceless word of God. And when children come into an understanding of the Word of God, they are, they are provided from the Word of God a, a secure identity. They're given in God's Word this security of knowing who they are, of who God made them to be, of the way in which God intends for them to live. And God has given us His Word and God has given you or me, he has given us fathers and mothers, Lord willing, who lead us in the word and the truths of God. Which is, which you ought not, if this is what you have, you ought not to reject their instruction and teaching. This is why the Bible is telling you, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents because they're always perfect. How many boys and girls, teenagers, you know your mom and dad are not always perfect? Let me see. He doesn't say, obey them because they're always right. They're not always right. They're not always perfect. They think they're always right. He says, obey them. Why? Because it is right. It is right to obey them. 
And when we obey God's word and obey those that God has given to us, we are well on our way to finding the identity that God has for us. Our culture is obsessed with each individual discovering on their own their identity. You got to break away from the tribe. You got to get away from the clan. You got to get off the island to know who you really are. Well, that is not found in the Bible. The Bible says, you want to know who you are? First, look up at God, your father. And second, look at the mom and dad that God has given to you and receive their instruction and receive their teaching and obey them in ways that they call you to live. And in this way, you will find your source of identity. God has given us our family to help shape us into the men and women that he wants us to be. And most of the time, individuals who struggle the most with their identity are individuals, young adults, who have put off the idea that mom and dad just might know better. What could they possibly add to the conversation? How could they possibly help me navigate this situation? They've never been 15. No, they have, actually. They've actually been right where you are. And we forgo a, a, just a, a plethora of wisdom and knowledge which is available to us through the people that God has put in our lives because we think we know better. Can I just tell you this? You don't always know better. Look, mom and dad, I know you're being really quiet. You could say amen if you want. You could just elbow your kid. Just <clears throat> Listen. I get it, you're 18, you're 21, you're 23, somebody handed you a piece of paper, you walked across a platform and they said you made it, but that's not all that's necessary for life. And God has given you relationship to help you understand this. In fact, the way in which you really know who you are is based on the relationships that you have. I am a son. I'm a husband, I'm a grandson, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a pastor, I'm an employer. The, the understanding of who I am is found in understanding and embracing the relationships that God has given to me. And the more that we reject the relationship that God has given to us, we isolate ourselves from the voices and the people that God has placed in and around our lives, and some of them very godly and very holy and, and striving to grow in Christ-likeness and are there willing to help us, but we we want to do it on our own. The Passover meal is a time where annually you were gathered, you were reunited in community. We know who we are in relationship to other people, which is why some of you have such a hard time right now knowing who you are. You have cut yourself off from every relationship that God has given to you. That's why you have no idea what to do next. 
You're floundering. That's why you feel like you're in a fog. You're floundering with no idea what to do next because you've removed yourself from all the relationships that God has given to you. And this morning, the decision you should be making is saying, you know what? I'm not going to isolate myself from the people that God has put in my life. God has given me these individuals for my good. God has given me these individuals to help me navigate the situation. There is much wisdom and good and godly counsel. And so I'm going to lean into this and I'm going to ask and I'm going to give permission and I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm press into this and lean in for the wisdom that I need. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's just safe. They were reunited in community. By, by the way, when, when a particular relationship ends, m- many people have a hard time coming to grips with who they are. So, so a relationship suddenly comes to a stop. All of a sudden, someone has a difficult time navigating who, who they are or who they're supposed to be. If this is where you find yourself this morning, just remind yourself of this. God has given you, through Christ, a relationship that will never end. Your, your parents might leave you. Your kids may leave you. Your siblings may abandon you. Your friends may betray you. But God is a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There is a security in understanding the relationship that you have to God through Christ. Everyone wants to talk about identity, but no one wants to talk about community. And the way in which you understand your identity is pressing into the community that God has given to you. The Passover meal is about reuniting in community. But let me, let me give you another thought here. The Passover meal was about reliving the event. So what they're instructed in Exodus is they're instructed to use specific foods and the food that they, were to, that they were to use, each part of the meal served a purpose to remind them of something. So they were to use roasted lamb. No bones broken. Roasted lamb to remind them of the blood of the lamb that was applied to the, to the post of their house so that the death angel passed over. The bread that they were to use was unleavened bread, which is simply to remind them that when they left Egypt, they left in a hurry. The, the bread had no leaven. There was, there was no time for it to rise. They were in a hurry. So unleavened bread because they were in a hurry. Roasted lamb because there was a lamb applied to the post of the house. They were to eat bitter herbs, which reminded them of the suffering that they had as slaves under the, under the heavy hand of Pharaoh. It was a bitter time in their history. They were to use a bowl of salt water which reminded them of the tears that they shed as while they were in slavery, they were crying out to God. They were asking God to raise up a deliverer which in fact he one day did do through the man named Moses. All of this though, all of these elements were, were a way, a type of remembering. But, but, but a remembering that, that implies more than just Mental recollection, a memory that implies action. 
In other words, they were to remember the events of the past so they could be reminded of the action that they were to take today. They were to remember so that they might learn to be faithful. They were to remember so they might learn who they were. So they could be reminded of who they were, of where God brought them, and of what God had called them to do. Write this down. Obedience always falters when memory fails. Obedience always falters. When memory fails, when we forget who God is, what God has done, who God has called us to be, when we forget, disobedience thrives. So what's the primary way in which you and I are to remind each other today of what God has done? Well, you can encourage one another, you can exhort one another, the Bible says. You can sing and worship with one another. You can gather together with one another. All of these are ways in the Bible that we are meant to be reminding each other about what God has done for us. Maybe for you, you want to create some things in your own individual family. You have some, some family traditions, some physical objects that you're going to put in your house that will remind you of the work that God has done for you. Maybe it's as simple as just writing a note inside of your Bible, just reminding yourself about what God has done for you. What we're about to do in just a little while with the Lord's Supper is a reminder it's a regular reminder of what God has done for us. This is why Jesus is saying, do this in remembrance. Don't do this in religion. Don't do this just in custom. Don't do this just in deed. Do this in remembrance. Remind yourself this morning of what Christ has done for us. And so that final supper, notice verse 22, as they did eat, Jesus took the bread, he blessed, he broke it, he gave to them. He said to them, take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank it. Verse number 23 ends with the third cup. I'm, I'm not going to go into all of this, we don't have time this morning, but there's four cups that they would have observed at this dinner. There, the first, the, the cup of celebration, the, the cup of gratitude, the cup of remembrance, or, or the cup of redemption, and then finally the cup of completion. Jesus has just drank the cup of redemption. This is verse 3. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they, drank it, they, they, they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. A cup of redemption. Christ sheds his blood on the cross to redeem his people from their sin. Then he says, I'll no more drink. He says, I'm not taking that last cup. I'll no more drink. I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day is fulfilled, and I'll drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So it's the final Passover, but there's a second thought here. And I want to just give you some principles here about what we're about to do as, as it relates to the Lord's table. It's the first communion. 
So when Jesus does this, he changes the order. Notice, he doesn't drink it. He says, I'm not going to drink this anymore. That bread you're eating doesn't, doesn't, doesn't represent you're running out in a hurry. That bread you're eating, it represents my body. Verse 22, take, eat, this is my body. You see that? The bread you're eating isn't, isn't bread you're eating in a hurry. The bread you're eating is, the, is a picture of my body on the cross. That, that blood you're drinking, that, that wine, that, that juice. It's not a picture of the blood that was shed. It's not, it's not a celebration. It's, a, it's not, it's not the, the lamb applied to the post of the house. It's, it's instead of the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus completely changes the meal. He says, I'm changing this. I'm transforming this. So now, every time you eat this, I want you to remember what I am about to do. The meal is transformed. And when you truly understand the transformation of it, you are transformed. You're changed. A few things that the meal does for us. First, the Lord's Supper reminds us of his incarnation. Write that down. Reminds us of his incarnation. You hold the bread in your hands, you are being reminded that he became flesh for us. God became one of us. He dwelt among us. No one has a God like biblical Christianity. God who becomes one of his creatures. He knows us because he became us. Hebrews chapter 4. He was in all points tempted like we are, yet he was without sin. If Jesus wasn't God, if Jesus wasn't God in the flesh, then what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 14 is blasphemy. Only God can change this. Only God can change, can reinstitute what God has already instituted. So when we hold the bread in our hands this morning, we are reminded that God became flesh for us. It reminds us of the incarnation. Second, it centers us on redemption. Christ became us in order to die for us. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Without him, our only chance before God would be keeping the totality of the law in total perfection, which none of us have ever done. There's only ever been one sinless person, and his name was Jesus. Everyone else has sinned, for we've all sinned. We've all gone astray. We've all been like wandering sheep. We've all made ourselves enemies of God because we thought we knew better than God. 
We thought we knew more than God. In fact, we had a knowledge of God. And instead of responding to Him as God, we became vain in our imaginations. And our foolish hearts were darkened. And we gave ourselves over to the worship of all kinds of other things except the living God of the Bible. And Jesus is saying, I am your Passover lamb. That's what he is saying. I am here to save you. I am here to redeem you. And the way in which Jesus saves us, the way in which Jesus redeems us, is when Jesus gives his body and his blood for us as payment for our sin and the sin of the world upon the cross. In fact, the only currency that God accepts for the forgiveness of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, this blood, this, um, verse 24, this is my blood of the New Testament. Notice this word, which is shed. See that word? Shed. Not spilt, shed. It's not accidental. It's very intentional. No one took Jesus' life from him. He freely, he gladly, he willingly, he lovingly laid down his life for us on the cross. And if he laid his life down of his own free will, he could pick it up again at any point that he chose. And he did. He did, in fact, pick it up again. Three days later, he rose from the grave, sealing for us our redemption with Christ. Reminds us of his incarnation. It centers us on redemption. Third, th th this meal shows us the importance of personal faith. You see how many times he says the phrase, take, take it, take this, take, eat. It's an individual reception. Each individual must make his own decision. Will you receive Christ? If you have not received Christ, do not receive the bread. If you have not received Christ, do not drink of the juice. But if you have received Christ, then what we do this morning is we illustrate the way. We show by way of our actions that we have put our faith and trust in Christ. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. The bread must be eaten. The wine must be drunk. No one can force you to partake. You must decide. This is how faith operates. No one can force you to become a Christian. No one can force you to become born again. You must choose personally to receive Jesus by faith in Jesus Christ. You are not a Christian simply because your parents were Christian. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. He only has those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, in Jesus alone. You must choose to take. You can have a wonderful meal spread out for you. You can be all laid out on the tables and you can starve to death if you don't decide to do something. Do you know what it is? 
take it, eat it. That's what faith in Christ is. It's taking, it's eating. I want to make a, another clarification here. We, we do not take Christ by taking the elements. We take the elements because we have taken Christ. I, I, want you, I need you to understand this because there are other religions who teach other things. No, we do not put our faith in elements. We put our faith in Christ. And having put our faith in Christ, we are then offered these elements that demonstrate the way in which we have put our faith in Christ. So taking these elements this morning, that does not bring Christ into your life. Only choosing to put your faith in Jesus brings Christ into your life. It shows us the importance of personal faith. Let me give you another one. It communicates to us the unity of the church. Our world loves to talk about diversity. In, in fact, there's a way to talk about diversity which is real clumsy. You want to see full diversity? You want to see true, whole diversity? Look at the church. We are wonderfully diverse. We're all eating under one roof. And it's not diversity just for diversity's sake. Wow, look at how different we all are. No, no, no. It's a diversity that shares one faith, one Lord, one hope, one baptism, one God who is Father of all. It communicates the unity that we have in Christ. When we come to Christ, your job doesn't matter your, state, your status in life doesn't matter. Your financial situation doesn't matter. Your education doesn't matter. None of that is what binds us together. Your political preferences don't matter. None of that is what binds us together. What binds us together is Jesus Christ who has loved us, who has, given, who has given his life for us, who shed his blood for us, and we are adopted into his family as brothers, as sisters, in Christ, through Christ. So that kind of unity, it has a name. You know what it is? The church. A local New Testament church. You think about what you really have in common with people around you right now. Not a lot. How many people in this room would you interact with apart from this? Very few. You may have some similarities. You may have some likes. You may have some things that you agree on. But for the most part, what brings the church together is Christ. Let me give this next one two more, last two, two, uh, a final two here. It reinforces for us the mission of the church. It reinforces for us the mission of the church. Jesus says, my blood is poured out for many. See it? Look at verse 24. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed, look at this phrase, for many. God so loved the world. Not the, not the religious. The world. 
not the perfect, the world. Not the civil, not the moral, the world. God loves you. And that's the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to make known the message of the gospel. The gospel, and the gospel alone, is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, and the gospel alone, is why we gather. The gospel, the gospel alone, is why we do all we do. It's why we support missionaries. It's why we run vehicles. It's why we teach classes. It's why we gather. It's why we sing. It's why we study. It's why we read. It's why we fellowship. It is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Not, not individuals. I am not the power of God. You are not the power of God. We are not the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And a church, look, a church has lost its power when the church has wandered from the gospel. A church loses its power when the church wanders from the gospel. This is the mission of First Baptist Church, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right here, over there, all over the whole globe, we want to preach the gospel. Well, we think your church should be involved in fill in the blank. And we get those all the time. And we try to do as many things in our community as we possibly can. But let me tell you what our primary thing in this community is. Our primary mission in this community is to preach the gospel. And tomorrow, we will give out groceries in the morning to those who are needy. And we will give the groceries out, and then we will tell them about Jesus Christ. And we'll open up a clothes closet for those who come through if they want to get some clothes because they're in need. And we will gladly offer to them socks and gloves and coats and hats and shoes. And then we will tell them about Jesus Christ. The mission is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not forget that, church. Do not forget that. By the way, if you have clothes that you want to get rid of, don't give them to the goodwill. Bring them here. We'll give them out. It reinforces for us the mission. This blood that Christ shed was for many. It's for everyone. It stirs up in us a hope of his second coming. Look what he says, verse 25. For verily I will drink no more of the fruit of this vine until that day that I drink it anew, watch this, in the kingdom of God. Jesus knows Jesus knows what he is going to do. He's going to die. The disciples are going to flee. Peter is going to betray. Jesus will be buried. The women will weep. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, they will rejoice. Pilate will wash his hands. And Christ will rise. That's what he's saying. I will drink it anew. 
You, you see the hope he's offering to the, God, to the disciples? He's offering them this hope. That what you watch when I, when I am crucified on the cross will to you be the end of all that you thought. It, it, it is the worst possible thing. But what I am doing, it's what Jesus is saying, what I am doing on that cross to you, you think it is the worst possible thing. But in reality, it is the best possible thing. Because I am sealing for you your redemption. 